stay above the fray of the everyday. Uncle Fernando on Bay FM 99.9. Listen to Uncle Fernando and Bay of him 99.9. I'm with Labor Councillor Jan Hackett, who's a former arts teacher and she's been on Byron Shire Council since 2016. Great to speak with you, Jan. Hello. Look, welcome to Bay FM and our little family here. Your family has a long connection to this region and so do these birds around here. (laughs) Tell us a bit about yourself and your family's long connection here. Well, I was born in Lismore. My father was born in Byron Bay. His mother was born in Byron Bay. His mother's father was born in Lismore. My grandfather on my father's side was born in Grafton. And the Hackett family actually came from Heidelberg in Germany in 1850 and used horse and cart to get themselves to Lismore before it was ever a town. So we go back to the 1850s in Lismore. Uh, It wasn't actually Hackett, sorry, it was the Flicks. Dad lived in the sea until he finished school. And then he, um, that was in the 1930s when he finished school and he, it was hard to find jobs because that was during the Depression. So he took a job which I don't think would have been his first job that he wanted to take, but he took a job in the bank, and that was seen as a very good job to get in those days. And consequently, uh, being in a bank, he moved around a lot. So that's why, although I was born in Lismore and lived there uh, until I was seven, the bank then moved us all over the place. So, so you've seen the Shire change, the whole region change enormously over this whole time, Jan. Do you think overall it's changed for the better or, or, or worse? Do you belong to that brigade who think that uh, every, it's become overdeveloped and it's been ruined? I think it's in danger at this point in time of becoming overdeveloped, but I don't think it has yet. I mean, the place has to change. It had to grow. And I think we've been very lucky that the councils that we've had have kept the development low-key up until this point, Mm. certainly low heights, and uh, tried to keep a village, rural village, feel to the Shire. Mm. But there's huge pressure now because we've become so popular and become a tourist mech. Uh, Mecca. Mm. There's huge pressure now for infill between our villages or our towns and Mm. for us to head in the direction of the Gold Coast, which I would hate to see. Mm. That will definitely be the death knell. So if we can try and keep the development within the towns and low-key and suitable for the environment that we've built in, because it's a very fragile environment and Mm. uh, most of it's uh, floodplains that are here, and you can build on floodplains, but you have to build a certain way. Mm. And we don't tend to do that. We try to fill in the floodplains mm. as they did on the Gold Coast and make canals and islands and all the rest of it. Mm. And I don't want to see that happen. I'd like mm. to see us if we are going to build on the floodplains that we build the appropriate structures. Mm. We'll get into some of those issues shortly. But what made you want to get on council in the first place just over five years ago? Well, after I retired, 
from teaching in Sydney. I was there a number of years and I've always come to Byron Bay basically my whole life. Every Christmas I've been in Byron Bay. And I was visiting a friend up here, her childhood friend at the Bay, after I'd retired and I thought, you know, I think I'd rather be retired in my homeland than down in Sydney because this, these are my roots basically and I feel at home here. So, And a lot of people said, as you asked me, they said, uh, oh, you must have noticed a lot of changes. And I said, well, no, it's, you know, I, yes, there's changes, but uh, it's low key, so I'm happy with it. The biggest change that I hated was our loss of the beach and I was just appalled and at that time when I first came back there were councils trying to build a rock wall from Boulangeville to Main Beach which would have meant we'd end up with no beach at all and that was why I wanted to go on council Mm. because basically I wanted to save the beach. And we will talk about the beach. You are one of two Labor councillors elected at that election in 2016. You are fourth on the ticket this time around, Jan, which effectively means you're very unlikely to get back. Was that your choice? How did that happen? It was my choice. It took me about six months to make it. I didn't want to give up on the issues that I was pursuing Uh, I hadn't achieved much in the five years. I find council's operations are glacial in their movement. It is so slow to have anything happen at all. And so I thought I need to keep going. I don't go well with local politics or any politics at all. I don't work well in that area. It has an unhealthy impact on me and... I would continually come home feeling like I'd been disemboweled from a council meeting. And I thought at my age, why should I keep doing that to myself, mm-hmm. that it's time to let other people take the, the job? And also because there were such fantastic people on the Labor ticket, I thought I don't need to be there. I can still be advising them, but I don't need to be in the chamber and in that rat race. (laughs) What's been the hardest thing about it, the most frustrating thing about these five years on council? The political culture, I think. You know, anywhere... I'd I'd worked in a political culture in Sydney when I was running Art Express and taking the exhibitions overseas for ten years, and I found that very difficult, but I stayed the course... So I was rather reluctant to actually go on council here because I knew how it impacted my health to be in that environment. But because of the beach, I went on anyway. And uh, it only takes one or two people on council who are into playing the game rather than problem solving and working as a team. I'm a team player. I like to work with people. I like to solve the problems. I like to get win-win solutions. That all comes from my teaching background. I don't like the game of playing the person, (laughs) building your ego, feathering your nest. And we've got some great councillors here. I'm not talking about staff with this. I am talking about councillors. But you only need one or two who are into the sort of bullying and name-calling and backstabbing to unsettle the whole seen there and I I just find it very unpleasant and unnecessary and glad to be out of it. 
We won't mention any names. Oh, I wouldn't mention any names. What do you think you have achieved in these five years? That's a, it's just over five years. It's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. I've achieved a few things, so I I thought yes, I can rest with having achieved those. One was to actually get council to commit to drafting. Well, they have already drafted an arts and cultural policy which basically they didn't have when I went on council, even though they were engaged in public art, which is the most contentious area of the arts, but they were engaged in that and they had a policy and plan for that, but they had no policy and plan Mm. in general for arts and culture as a whole. So I've got them to draft a very broad policy and now I've got them to actually employ someone who knows something about the arts, an arts administrator, as an arts and cultural officer who will then put together or draft up a a strategic plan for arts and culture for the Shire for the next five, ten years. So I've achieved that much. (laughs) And I have finally achieved one line in the coastal management plan which says they will apply for a grant to commit to doing some uh, dune regeneration on Main Beach, which wasn't there at all before. Let's move on to the two areas that you're very passionate about. Firstly, the arts as a former arts teacher. With so many creative artistic people in our Shire and the broader region, why haven't we done more to become an arts maker up here? Yes, it's a good question. I found out when I got on council when I got on council, that, first of all, council didn't have an arts and cultural policy, which really surprised me. And I was told that Byron Shire believed that there were so many creative arts people around here and there were galleries and so on in the adjoining shires like Tweed and Lismore and Ballina, that that... Therefore, they didn't really have to go down this road. They could just let the creatives do their own thing. And if they came to them asking for support, they'd support them if they could. And that's where they left it. What would you like to see happen in the art space that council could influence or make happen, Joan? Look, the arts and and culture are such a profoundly important thing for a community. It brings a community together. makes for a healthy community. First of all, I would, well, as I said, I wanted to see them actually have a policy and then have a plan, which meant that council makes a commitment and communicates with the arts community here and the entire community to see how they can assist and how they can, yeah, help Mm. build the arts and uh, highlight the arts in this shire as they've done in the other shires. If you look at Ballina, the one thing we're really missing here is a sort of a regional gallery or a gathering place for arts-minded people, Mm. workspaces, workshops, places to just get together and meet up and then... Wouldn't that be a great thing? Well, it would be a great thing and we haven't got anything like that. We are supporting the performing arts here quite strongly Artists, local artists have got together and built a local arts school. So you've got 
places where people can go and learn and go to workshops, but they have to pay for that. Mm. Uh, and I noticed even in Lismore before they got their new regional art gallery that when they would have arts conferences or anything like that, it was mostly about the performing arts. There was very little about the visual arts. Mm. And so that's, I mean, we've got the Byron Theatre and we've tried to have exhibitions in there at the community centre, but that's a very difficult, you know, that's a really bad space to hold exhibitions. Mm. It, it doesn't help exhibitions. So, yeah, I really want to see Byron Bay get its own community gallery and maybe one day a regional gallery because mm. that brings so much to a community. It brings a feeling of ownership, being involved being part of a community and we don't have any space where people really get together and feel that in Byron Bay. I mean you see that up at the Tweed they went from an old house with a gallery to the gallery they've got now through philanthropy of course but they've got people that through word of mouth who just that's brought so much to that community downtown in Mwollombar everywhere people come from the Gold Coast, people come from Sydney. It's it's a major gallery. I guess a lot of people say you don't want to attract more people to Byron Bay, but uh, we don't have to have a gallery of that stature, of course. But I think we do need a meeting place for arts people in the form of some sort of community gallery. And mm. they've got that in Ballina. They've gone ahead and done that, and they've now got artists um, in residence spaces and all sorts of things operating and so it's a very healthy happy community mm. and they all feel that Ballina has something special and they can nut that they're, that they're supported yeah and they're supported but uh who would drive that here it sounds like a great idea is that something council should be driving a private gallery can't really really do it it's best to come through a council because like the regional gallery system, have all these connections right throughout the state so you can share exhibitions, share your resources. So to be part of that network is is really a key thing and a private gallery isn't part of that network. So um, mm. I think it behoves any shire to look at having a museum or a gallery and to be paying for that. Byron Shire is probably the only shire of its size in New South Wales that doesn't have either a museum or an art gallery. They're the only ones. Wow. What does that say to you? <laughs> we support and love the arts. Well, it doesn't say that at all, does it? And what they were doing was supporting or trying to support public art, which is always so contentious. And mm. I said... How can you have a plan, a policy and a plan for public art when you don't have a policy and plan for the arts and culture? Because a public art policy and plan should sit under the umbrella of an arts and cultural mm. policy and be based on need. So what that said to me was that council were driving public art which meant you often ended up with what you'd call plonk art, which mm. people had nothing to do with and suddenly put in front of them and they didn't like it and complained. And, you know, a lot of complaints. We won't, that's a whole interview in itself, that I whole know, fiasco, isn't I it? go on and on, but I have tried to convince council to back off on the public art for the time being 
and get together a plan and strategy for arts and culture, which will then, then have a place for public art. And then how we handle public art will not be directed by council, but will come from the community and they will agree with and be part of the planning when we do do major projects with public art and then you won't have so much complaint. <laughs> Here's hoping. Jan, coastal management, obviously a very vital issue for a coastal town like Byron, which is of course so reliant on our postcard main beach and this wonderful coast, yet we've let erosion get the best of it. Tell us about that and why you think that's happened on our watch. Uh, A long story, (laughs) but to put it simply, council talk the talk about erosion, but they definitely don't walk the walk. Council have turned their back on Main Beach, which by which I mean from Clark's up to the estuary at Belongeal. That was all Main Beach when I was a kid for over 100 years. Clark's was just tucked in the corner, but the rest of it was Main Beach going right up to just before the Belongeal estuary when it became Belongeal Beach. It's not, you can't, you can't put it all in front of this council as to what's gone wrong on their watch. They've inherited a very broken and a very damaged main beach. But this beach my father loved and everybody loved. It's always been known as a much better beach, certainly for surfboard riders, but for bodyboard riders like my father, the surf life-saving days, it had the best waves of any beach for hundreds of miles either side of us because of the way the waves came round the Cape. And so the main beach at Byron Bay was a stunning attraction. And even 100 years ago, before you had surfboard riders, people would come from Lismore on the old train and they'd come from everywhere, Moolambar everywhere. They'd come down at weekends and picnic on main beach and use the jetty. It's always been a massive attraction and it's always been this beautiful arc of a beach. It's not anymore. Mm. It's all broken up into bits and pieces now. It's really badly damaged. And council, having inherited this and inherited a lot of litigation from property owners who want the council to protect them and keep them living on the beach, council, I think... uh, find the whole issue of how do we deal with this? What do we do? (laughs) Too hard. Too hard. Too frightening. And so they seem to have just turned their back on it and are just letting it be. And they spend time on other beaches. They spend time up at Ocean Shores. They spend time on Tallow Beach. But they don't spend time on Main Beach at all because every time they even think of doing anything on Main Beach, there's a huge reaction from all the what they call stakeholders, the people who are living on the beach, people who are making money out of the beach, um, the surfboard riders. (laughs) Mm. Uh, They all have this stake and they all make a lot of noise and council just goes to ground. Well, last week, Jan, the current mayor, Michael Lyon, put out a a council media release titled Could the Worst of the Beach Erosion Be Over? It said that council staff and consultants are monitoring the beach closely and indications are that the sand is starting to come back and the process of rebuilding the beach is beginning. (laughs) Sounded rosy. 
It did, didn't it? And they're really happy to see sand coming back. Sand has always come around the, the Cape from down south, but we don't get as much as we used to get 100 years ago because of interference with the beaches further south. So yes, the sand is coming back, but the erosion we've just suffered now is the worst erosion I've seen in my lifetime, and I, I would say in my father's lifetime as well. And it's because we broke the back of nature's best defence against erosion, which are the dunes along the beach. We've tried to hold the line on those dunes, which means we've done hard engineering there. And that has changed the beach completely. So it now has eroded further inland than it would naturally if those rocks and that hard engineering weren't there. We would have a lot more of our beach if we hadn't interfered with it in the way that we have. Well, tell us so a bit more I, about that. I, that started originally when they did the sand mining, which I think was in the 60s and 70s. Uh, that destabilised the beach in that corner. Mm. But after that, they supposedly were meant to, you know, fix up what they'd messed up. And so they planted trees all along the top right. of the dunes. Mm. After they'd planted trees there, I guess the councils after that, then came in and tried to make all those sand dunes parkland and they continued Lawson Street out to the Cape. It never existed before you went round all the dunes that were there and went out Massinger Street to uh, the Cape. You had to go round the, the sporting grounds ovals that are there. You have oh, okay. you had to drive around there and up to Massinger Street. We've basically yeah. taken over the dunes. So we've taken over that section of the dunes completely with roads, buildings. Parkland. Now if and parkland and trees along the front and the roots of the trees hold the hold the dunes in place. So we've basically fixed the dunes there. And you can't keep a beach if you fix the dunes. You can't fix the line. The dunes have to be dynamic. They have to be able to move. Yeah. And then they can replenish themselves after any, any storm. That's how a natural beach functions. And that's the best way to keep your beach, is to um, let it do what it does best. But if you interfere with it, then you're in all sorts of trouble, as we are now. Storms, they believe in the 70s that they were the worst storms that we'd ever had here. So after those storms and that erosion, the people that were here, they did this panic and thought, oh, we're going to lose the town. Uh, in my father's day, they just came and helped the dune to regenerate. In the 1970s, they actually put down tar and bitumen and rocks and built, mm. put rocks all around the dunes that were there. Mm. And that's, that's, you know, you build a seawall like that on the beach itself not even behind the beach, but on the beach itself, of course you're going to lose the beach. That was the beginning of the end. And that was the beginning of the end because where that wall ends, you cause greater erosion. So instead of this lovely arc that we had in the bay where erosion was pretty evenly spread, the dunes would take the impact and move around, but you'd still have this nice arc in the bay those rocks stopped that from happening? That stopped that happening and it causes all sorts of disruption and scouring in front of the rocks. It takes the sand away, it rejects the incoming sand and takes it back out, deepens the water in front of the rocks 
and then you get this swash on the end of the rocks. So in front of First Sun Caravan Park, for example, you've got massive erosion that goes back to behind where the original dunes were. It's all eaten away and it's... So the current problems, enormous problem with coastal erosion is purely to do with our approach, human intervention. Well, we've caused the massive erosion we've got at Main Beach. If you look at Tallow Beach, if you look at the beach north of the Belongeal Estuary, where we haven't tried to hold the line, where we haven't built on the dunes, where we haven't laid down rocks, I can show you photos of those taken 100 years ago and they hardly look any different now. Now, they interact with the same force of storm that we get in, inside the bay, but they regenerate really quickly because... They don't have obstacles in the way. They don't have things that change the whole way the the beach operates. Main Beach has moved inland a lot in certain spots. Uh, And not only has it moved inland a lot, like in front of First Sun and all the way along to Belongeal, but the amount of sand that's actually left the beach because you don't have replenishment from the dunes, they're locked away. You've lost all this sand from the beach that's taken out and then heads off north. It disappears. So this year, I would say I have never seen the seabed rocks that you can now see going along Main Beach. Mm. If you look at the embankment, which is held by the tree roots, well, we've lost most of those trees. There's only a few left there along there now. We would have lost, I would say, four metres of sand off the beach. Now, okay, sand's coming around the Cape, but it's... How long is it going to take to rebuild four metres of sand all the way along there? Even in front of the car park where the groins are, Mm. you used to be able to see one groin and a little bit of the others, but now they're all exposed. And if you go and look at the different water levels now, you'll see that we've lost three or four metres of sand off the beach. Mm. I don't think we can get that back easily. And what council are planning with the coastal management plan is to reconstruct that man-made headland they've created on the beach at Main Beach. So more of the same. More of the same. And it's the wrong way to go because it's just killing off the whole beach. It's Mm. just breaking it up. I mean, it it won't save the township. If you didn't have that there, the town will be quite happy for another 100 years in my recommendation because it wouldn't erode so far back beside but you're going to erode back on either side of that Mm. and it it'll you know it'll come into the town beside it unless you wall up the whole beach which means you have no beach at all jan this has been going on for a long time councillors like you come and go why hasn't council and council staff and management learnt this surely there are other places that have been dealing with this same issue as ours. Why haven't we learnt? And I've seen that everywhere. It makes me cry. Every time I go to another beach, I see what their councils are doing, how they're trying to grow back their dunes, how they're planting in sand-holding plants, uh, how they're putting up signs saying, don't walk on the dunes, we are growing our dunes how they have, you know, they, they, don't, they ban people off the dunes and they engage the community in helping them rebuild the dunes and regrow the dunes and try and bring it back to more of its natural state because that's the best way to protect the town and the whole bay. So tell us a little bit more about what the right approach should be. Council uh, tried to um, do a coastal zone management plan 
in the last term and it wasn't approved because they couldn't abide by the objections or the aims of the coastal management plan, meaning things like what they were putting up would damage other areas. And so they said, no, you're going to have to address any damage what you do creates. And so we're not approving this plan. So we're now having to start again right from the beginning and do a coastal management plan. And there are four approaches for a coastal management plan. One is that you hold the line, which is where we're currently at. Two is to advance the line, which means you build further defences out at sea in the hope of growing your beach back and stopping the, the force of the waves coming in, like a, an artificial reef out there. That's been mentioned a number of times. Three, retreat from the line, move people out of danger and let Mother Nature come back and run the show as it should. And two councils ago, that was what they were pushing for on council. But because former councils had allowed a lot of people to actually build Mm. on the dunes, Mm. those people weren't moving and they made a lot of noise, took council to court, spent a lot of council's money and they still insist that council have to protect them Mm. on on the dunes. Mm. So retreat sort of met a, a stone wall excuse the pun. And the fourth thing is to do nothing, which is the uh, easy option (laughs) where you deal with erosion and flooding as it happens or else you just ignore it. And we're also just doing that. What I've found in my term of council is basically they're doing nothing. They're holding the line and Mm. they're, they're doing nothing. They're turning their back to it. And then occasionally you get a media release put out that uh, makes out that we're doing something. Yes, what they're doing is waiting for nature to repair the beach. Now, nature will repair the beach if you haven't stuffed it up, but we've stuffed it up completely. This was in this council statement last week. Anticipating the return of the sand, council has applied for state funding that will target the rebuilding and revegetating of the dunes and restoration of beach access. I understand that was your initiative, uh, Jan. Doesn't it show that council is listening to you? You don't know uh, what it took to get them to add that line in. (laughs) I was told that they weren't going to look at anything like that for another uh, three years or till stage three of the CMP, Coastal Management Plan. And I was told they couldn't look at that because they didn't have the money and you can't get the money to do anything like that unless you have an approved coastal management plan, (laughs) catch 22. And I said, well, other shires are doing it, Tugan's doing it. I said, I don't know if they've got a coastal management plan or not, but they're all doing something. Surely we can do something. Surely we can make a start on what dunes are left and rebuild those before we look at all the rest of it as a whole. It doesn't sound like anything's ever going to get done on this front, Jan. (laughs) Well, they have applied for a grant. We don't have... A result of that yet. Um, they did go and have a look and said, oh yes, you can apply for a grant for that type of work. Until I got them to look, they didn't seem to realise that you could apply for a grant for that without finishing your CMP. So I feel that's one of my achievements. So if we get that money, then we can actually do something? Well, I'm, ge- I'm wanting them to work on the dunes from First Sun up to Kendall Street because they're relatively untouched, but they've been eaten into a lot because of the car park. 
and I'd also like them to work on the dunes at, from Main Beach to Clark's, which has been so savagely eaten out at the moment. But that won't mean replanting trees. <laughs> that would mean actually removing the front row of trees if you're going to do the right thing and help it to revive, you'd remove all those trees. That won't be very popular. Uh, no, I've been told that if I can make that happen, I'll be a miracle maker. Um, yeah, people have been bemoaning everyone, the trees falling over. I know, and they because you've got a generations that are, have felt they've always been there, but they weren't always there, and they're holding the dunes in place, and you mustn't hold dunes in place. Mm. Dunes have to move. One of the mayoral candidates, Bruce Clark, in particular, has been bemoaning another tree falling over. We haven't heard very much from any of the mayoral candidates or any candidates, and including Azrin Pugh, can I say, who's going to be championing this issue on council when you're gone, Jan? Is there anyone that's going to be pushing this on council? Well, there is, uh, if he gets in. Duncan is the person who actually encouraged me to come on to council because he agrees with everything I say. He read a submission I put in when the last council were in place and he contacted me and I was very sad that he wasn't in council for my term, that he wasn't there because he's very simpatico and he's he's all about saving the beach too and and supporting the natural power of the dune barrier to support the beach to let nature do the work and to support nature we will invite duncan day back on the program in a few weeks time and that's certainly one of the issues that uh, we will ask him about Uh, jan i think a lot of the other councillors they're all saying (laughs) as people do that they're concerned about they're concerned about the erosion what i found with the current councillors, is that they backed off by saying it's very complicated, so we'll just listen to the experts. Some listeners might be asking themselves, and I know some of your colleagues have, Jan, what makes uh, Jan Hackett such an expert on coastal erosion? And you're a former arts teacher. You're not a scientist or an environmental management specialist. What makes you an expert on this area. Uh, in 1991, my father made his last visit to Byron Bay. Hadn't been here for a while. And if anyone was ever passionate about this town and loved it, that was my father. He stood up there at Main Beach. He hadn't seen the rocks and groins that were put around the old sandy car park before. And I noticed tears running down his face. And I said, what's the matter? And he said, they've put rocks on the beach. And I said, so? And he said, well, you never put rocks on the beach. And his way of expressing it was, if you put rocks on the beach, the water will always come to the rocks. What he was saying was, you will lose your beach. And he cried over it. And from that point onwards, 1991, wherever I went, I looked at how rocks interacted with the sand on the beach. I noticed a place in Tasmania where you've got this huge, shallow, sandy estuary. You couldn't swim. The water was only up to your knees. But there was a rock sitting out in the middle of it. And you could swim around the rock because the sand was pushed away from the rock. And that's where the deep water was. So I noticed that rocks repel the sand. And I noticed that happens everywhere. 
I've also done a lot of reading, I've read books, I've done research, and I've heard from friends that they even teach this in school now. It's not rocket science. Mm. You can't hold back the ocean. If you want to keep a beach, you have to get out of its way, let it do its job. You will always have a beach. You have to keep a buffer between you and the beach. Mm. Do you hold out any hope that anything will change in terms of our management of our wonderful coastline and our beach? I'm really frightened about it. I'm almost ready to give up hope. I will certainly be talking to, and I am already talking to, all the other would-be councillors, and I will certainly be talking to them behind the scenes, and I'll, I'll go on any committee that's involved with the beach and the estuaries, and I'll still keep putting it out there. I'm not willing to give up on Main Beach, but whether I can bring the people with me and other councillors with me, I don't know, but I'll keep trying. Jan Hack, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for all the work that you do and have done and continue to do for our great Shire and the region. Thank you for speaking to us here at Bay FM. Thank you, Fernando, for the opportunity.